0: You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors.
1: My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. We're going to
0: start a new series of conversations this week on mm-hmm. the topic of friendship. And yes. uh, and specifically how complicated friendship is for pastors, mm-hmm. um, but that it's really worth wrestling through. So I thought in that vein. Okay, let's start by you don't know the question. Mm-mm. This is my favorite part of the week. Oh jeez. <clears throat> so think about who your favorite friendship is in a movie or a TV show. Uh Matt Damon one? and
1: Beth Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting. Mm,
0: that's a good one, dude. I was gonna <laughs> I the first one that came to my mind was Frodo and Sam Gamgee in hmm. uh okay. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You're my Sam, by the way. <laughs> oh, Carry Me Up the Mountain. Um, Oh, gosh. But yeah, the Matt Damon Ben Affleck. You just say that because I like
1: second breakfast and (laughs) all of that. (laughs) You just eat like a hobbit? Yeah.
0: (laughs) But yeah, the uh, Matt Damon Ben Affleck one, I'm a little little embarrassed. I didn't think of that one. That one's really good.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm not embarrassed you didn't think of it. I'm surprised. It's always been... Uh, so when I worked at Starbucks, mm-hmm. I would teach a lot of classes yeah. and a lot of times you would, you know, it's, you know, it's a proverbial icebreaker. Oh yeah. And so I would just go with like, what's your favorite movie? Cause that's something everyone has one of. Sure. And I would regularly say, uh, Goodwill hunting yeah. because I love the picture of friendship between the two of them in that movie. So yeah. it was, real. I just, I
0: just rewatched that. In the last few months,
1: really, I haven't seen it forever. I should watch
0: it. I can't remember if it was on TV or if I wa—I can't remember what. No, I think Tammy and I watched it. It is so freaking good. Oh yeah, it holds up 100. percent It's yep. every bit as good as when it came out. I saw that with my dad. I think I was like a senior in high school when that came out, maybe. <clears throat> and I remember sitting there with my dad, going, "This is the most cursing I've ever heard." While sitting next to my dad, <laughs> that part made me uncomfortable. I could see that. But uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about friendship for mm-hmm. the next few weeks. And um, it is admittedly complicated as a pastor to have friends. Mm. I think it is uh, fairly common that, that when pastors are honest, would admit often not... F- a lot of pastors would say they don't really feel like they have a very many friends. Um, some might go so far as to say that they have no friends.
1: Sure. Which is very difficult. And I think what we're doing in this episode is like establishing kind of like a working definition. Yeah, just putting some flesh on what that looks like. Because I also think there are lots of pastors who would say, oh, no, I have friends. But just because you're friendly to people, I mean, Mm -hmm. Pastors get paid to be friendly. <laughs> right. So um, that doesn't necessarily equate. Like if you if you just start naming off all the people that are in your church database, yeah. Probably you just need kind of a reset on your view of what a friend is. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think that's really good. Yeah. So that's what we're gonna talk about this week. And then in the subsequent weeks, we will talk about some of the th- some of the various factors that make it complicated to have friends sure. as a pastor. And I would, I would make a commitment on the front end of this series that uh, we will not eliminate the complication of friendship. Mm-hmm. But I think just acknowledging it and maybe talking about some best practices and how to yeah. work through it, it's still helpful. And I think the big idea... For me, is uh, it's worth wrestling through, and my concern would be because it's complicated. A lot of pastors use that as an excuse
1: to not really
0: pursue friendship, and it's worth it, even though it's complicated and
1: hard. Totally, it'll kind of be like uh, if you're going out to do some sort of like DIY fix-it activity, Uh and you like YouTube it. Yeah, um, it doesn't necessarily make the job. Uh, not difficult, Uh but as long as you have the steps, like you can at least like get through. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What's the, what's the hardest project you've ever done that you had to use a YouTube video for? Ooh. I changed a toilet in my house one time. Uh You would have thought I built my house based on how proud I felt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anything electrical. I've done some Oof, like wiring so and, and, and all of that. And it, it like, I mean, so one, I always like overdo it and just turn off the power to like the whole city block mm-hmm. just to make sure, like, I just like, turn there's off no all chance the of power. electrocution. Um, but then it's just challenging cause you like do it and it either does or doesn't work. And regardless of what I do with electricity, I hear my science, um, or my high school science teacher, told Mr. Me, Harris. Yeah, his name was Mr. Harris. Shout we, out to
0: Mr. Harris. That's case he's right. listening. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, he's listening for <laughs> sure. Um, but he <clears throat> would like we would do these little like circuit things with uh-huh. welding, and I was not good at it. Yeah. And I just hear in my head every time, Mr. Dravitz, complete the circuit. <laughs> and so that that like condescending like loudness oh. is like is like ringing in my ears when I'm thinking through how I should wire this. I'm like, Mr. Dravitz, complete the circuit. (laughs) So there's a little ditty for you today. All right. That's good. All right. So
0: before (laughs) let's move on, before we start putting flesh on friendship Mm -hmm. and some things that it should look like, um, I just, I, I was thinking as I was getting ready for this, this morning, uh, I read an article by Elliot Grudem. Sometime in the last couple of years. I can't remember. I think it was on the Desiring God blog, okay. um, but it was about pastoral friendship. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he said this, which I thought was so fascinating. He started with the question, what makes a pastor persevere in ministry? I think we've talked at length about the rate at which pastors or ministry leaders leave vocational ministry. Some estimates would be as high as 1,500 a month would le- are leaving. I still wow. think post-COVID, it'll be much higher. Oh, totally. Um, So he starts with this question, what makes a pastor persevere in ministry? And then he writes this, the Lilly Endowment invested $84 million over 10 years to study and support the practices that allow Christian pastors in America to sustain excellence over the years. They funded 63 proje- projects over 20 across 25 different denominations and traditions. Each organization made a similar discovery. Relationships with peers are the key factor to pastoral longevity. I thought two things are mind-blowing. Number one, spread some of that 84 million around to some of those pastors and maybe more will make it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then too, that's, that's, I mean, obviously that's a very specific type of friendship. We're going to talk about a a broad definition of believing there should be different kinds of friendships that we experience. But how mind blowing is that, that the number one, all these studies found the number one factor on whether or not a pastor, pastor perseveres in ministry for the long haul is whether or not they have friendships with peers. Yeah. That's that's crazy. crazy. Which which means because of how many are leaving, it must be evidence that a lot of pastors don't have friends. Right. At least not in the peer group. Yeah. So to your point, though, there is probably various definitions of what does it even mean to be a friend. And so this is not going to be like a biblical theology of friendship or anything like that, but just some very practical experiences that when we think about friendship, this is what we think about. Right. Makes sense? Yeah. So let's just talk
1: through a handful of these. Cool. So what does this even mean? That's the question. Well, I think a really important thing that it needs to mean uh-huh. is someone you enjoy time with.
0: Yeah. Do you are you enjoying time with me right now? Yes. Oh good. Yeah. You, you lost time there for a second because you got a ding on your watch and I was not enjoying time with you in that moment.
1: Okay, okay. Maybe we should just cut that, huh?
0: <laughs> no, but I do think, I think that that's, like that was the first thing when I was thinking through like, well, what does friendship mean? That was a, that was the first thing that popped into my mind was just someone that you enjoy spending time with. Sure. And I, to your point, we, to a degree, we get paid pastorally to be friendly. If you are not friendly, you usually get fired Yeah, at some totally. point, but just because you're friendly doesn't necessarily mean that you enjoy time with everyone mm-hmm. and that the time that you spend with people is like tank filling and, you know, anything like that. And so I think just having, having people in your life, paying attention to who do I really enjoy spending time with mm-hmm. and that can be people. I, I know there's a time I was looking even this morning online. There are so many articles about should pastors be friends with people in their church. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I guess you can Google that and read all that. I think it's, silly that you would feel like you cannot have friendship. I think you need to yeah. be a, have appropriate disclosure and all you know be careful about it, all that kind of stuff. Totally. It is one of the complications that we'll talk about. Yeah. But being closed off from friendship with people in your own church is just such a horribly depressing way I would argue to live. So you should have people even within your own church. You just enjoy spending time with.
1: Sure. And it's not a matter of um you know favoritism or anything like that. I mean, you know, the example I gave you the other day, as we were talking about this, that I, I think about all the time is I grew up going to public grade school Mm -hmm. and you would like go through and explains a lot. Yeah. Right. Tell me about (laughs) it. and uh, you go through the line, and we were like hot lunch people. We didn't pack our lunch, so I got my hot lunch. And there were like certain tables dedicated to my grade. Mm-hmm. And now, there were lots of classes in my grade and all of that, but these tables were for like, if you're in fourth grade, you have to sit at these tables. And so you could like mix and match with people in your class mm-hmm. or not and that kind of thing. And so as you approached the tables, inevitably, you weren't the very first one to sit down. Mm-hmm. And so you saw different groups of people, and you looked for like, who who do I want to sit by? Mm-hmm. And there are just naturally people that you were uh, you were drawn towards, and other people that you were like, no thanks, yeah. not sitting by you. Yeah. And it, it's not a matter of being like fickle or being like uh, disrespectful to the other people in your church. It's just like natural chemistry happens with some people mm-hmm. and doesn't with others. And so like, don't fight that. Yeah.
0: I, w- I mean, I would, I would say you are responsible for being a pastor to everyone in your church, but you're not responsible to be friends with everyone in your church. Right. And so it's okay that you would have certain people that you, uh, are friends with and others that you're their pastor. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I also did not remember where that story was going, and most of your childhood stories are so sad. Mm. For a minute, I thought you were going to say I was going through the lunch line, and my best friend was like the lunch lady. Oh, I really had this moment where I was like, "That's how where this is that is going. even
1: relevant to this situation?"
0: Well, just you were talking about friendship and childhood, and usually. Th- those are very mm, sad well. stories when you tell them we'll get into that another time
1: sure. <laughs> that's like a therapy episode <laughs> yeah it is but anyway so yeah, so yeah f-
0: yes. find, sign, find someone that you enjoy spending time with mm-hmm. uh, another thing would be uh, someone that you make time for mm-hmm. uh, as well which might sound similar but <clears throat> i'm most pastors i know talk about being busy yep. all the time yep. and uh, and i would say because so much of our job is relational at times it can feel like when i'm done i don't like more people is not necessarily what i'm super fired up about sure. but that can result in isolation yep. and so i would say i would even say that in relating this back to the first point I I would say one sign that you have found someone that you enjoy is that you will make time for them, that you will prioritize that, that you will look for opportunity to hang out, spend time, do the things that you enjoy, talk, share life, all of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another one, uh, someone you can hear truth from. Uh, So I think, Um, this is just putting yourself in a situation where you have relationships with people who can be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you believe that they have your best uh, intent in mind, that they care about you, that they want to see God's best for you, all of those types of things. But it can't be someone, I think sometimes... um, you know, you read a leadership book about, you know, finding polar opposites from yourself, and mm-hmm. that's like good leadership. And so you like find the person that you have the most friction with in the church and <laughs> yeah. you decide, we're going to be friends. Yeah. Iron sharpens uh, iron. Yeah. So that let's whole just, thing. Yeah. yeah. And I just think that um, that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that being in a situation where the way that iron gets sharpened is through like kind words mm-hmm. of someone who cares for you and those types of things, it just has to be someone that you trust. So somebody that you trust, um, you know, their relationship with mm-hmm. God and, and where they're at so that you can uh, connect with the fact that the things that they're telling you are, you know, not always just their own. Sometimes mm-hmm. they are, but sometimes they aren't. Um, and someone that you genuinely, your heart is open to, um, that you have ears to hear the things that they have to say.
0: I think this has so much to do too. like, it's so much of the problem with this, like, ocean of stories that we've heard over the last five years of pastors who have burned out or been fired or, you know, moral failure, all of that. And and there, and there's always all of every time, like a prominent pastor falls, Mm -hmm. there is all of this conversation about, Ecclesiology and how leadership should be structured in the church. And if yeah. they had just had the right leadership structure, then this wouldn't have happened. And my thing is like people with all leadership structures have experienced this. Yep. And I really okay. think, the simplest thing i mean the most basic thing is that this person has stopped walking closely with jesus sure but secondly i think it's this that there's no one in your life that can just sit down and and have you have given them the voice and you have the ears to hear them speak truth to you right and i think if more pastors had good friends like that Truthfully, the leadership structure your church uses matters less.
1: Right. And I think, I mean, we'll get in this into the weeks to come, but I think one of the reasons that you might be closed off to hear truth from people is that as a pastor in a church, you're in this position where um, a lot of people might believe it's their job to share truth with you. Yeah. And sometimes we're not talking about that. Yeah. Sometimes it's off base. Sometimes yeah. it's all of that. We're not talking about just you being open to anyone coming up to you and telling you what they thought of your sermon mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, just what they think of How tight you your jeans are. <laughs> that right. Kind of thing. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that through all of that, I would just make sure that you're in a situation where. Um, you have those people that you genuinely can trust what they're going to say to you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they have like carte blanche by any mm-hmm. means, but it means that you are not on the defensive immediately, mm-hmm. that you're not going to assume that it's your role to defend yourself or your family or your church from this person, but that you recognize that it's their role to like love you well and to point you to Jesus too, Mm -hmm. and you're at least going to like hear what they have to say.
0: Yeah. As you were talking, I was also thinking, you know, if lots of people, hopefully everyone listening to this has some friend or friends in their lives, Mm -hmm. but maybe if you're listening and you're a friend to your pastor, I think a really important thing right now would be just, um, I don't necessarily think that seasons should dictate whether or not, we speak truth totally but I, I do think just tread lightly right now sure. you know like i, I th- and i think just in relationships and friendships yeah. in general right now un- unless there is something that is like urgent and dangerous there now is the time to allow love to cover a multitude of sins yeah. much more than it is to be like grace a, upon grace oh my upon gosh, grace yeah. rather than sitting down and being the truth guy yeah, no one's oh, fired yeah. up to see you coming right now. No
1: one likes the truth guy, and the truth guy might get his tail whooped. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to open up a can on the truth guy right now, so just, yeah. If you're the truth guy, maybe uh, spend some time alone in the woods or something like that. Just like <laughs> yeah. just like go on a retreat. That's good. Yeah, I think I think when
0: I think about friendship um, and what's most important to me in it, I think I think the biggest thing would be it's someone I really feel like I can be myself with. Oh, that's good and i think that that is something for pastors that is very complicated. <clears throat> so again worth us talking about in the weeks to come. but and and i do i just want to say i think as as we think about friendships within our own churches, yeah. church culture is going to dictate this a lot, you know, sadly many ministry leaders work in a ministry context where they can't be themselves. Meaning like when I say be myself, it's not just like my personality. I'm talking about like, I want to be able to live open and honest about like where I have weaknesses, where I'm struggling, doubting all of that. We are very fortunate, and that by God's grace, we've built a culture in our church where my church knows I'm in therapy. My mm-hmm. church's pretty aware of what I'm struggling with. I talked about my deepest area of shame in my sermon on you Sunday, mm-hmm. um, and but that's our culture. Sure, and I would say be very mindful of the culture you're in before you just start spraying around who you are in your totally. church. Cause if you're in a church culture where you really don't have the freedom to do that, then I mean, we've heard too many stories of people who have been open about even just mental health struggles through COVID that have been fired.
1: Yeah. And I think that, um, So a couple of things. One, not everyone can be in a situation where they can instantaneously impact their church culture. If you're Mm -hmm. an existing church situation Mm -hmm. or something like that, I think even for us, we had not been in... Uh, a culture like the one we're at now mm-hmm. until this one but mm-hmm. we set out very intentionally yeah. to create this culture mm-hmm. and so I think I think that's something to keep in mind however I do think that one of the things that's important and I would uh, I don't know if the lily Endowment would agree but mm-hmm. I would put on that list is uh, making sure that you're on staff at a place where you're not constantly curtailing who God's created you to be. Yeah. If 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 things that you enjoy doing, if Uh, jokes that you like, if all of that, and I'm not talking about just like crass things or anything like that, but if just movies you like to watch, if everything you, um, you, so for example, I remember even a church we were on staff with a couple years ago, and uh, I believe your wife brought up uh, that you had gone and saw Finding Dory Mm -hmm. and another pastor's wife was pretty disgusted by Mm By They'd them. walked out of Yeah, it, I think, exactly so. because they did. And you know, and Which,
0: whew, How how tight are you when you're walking whew, out of Finding Dory? Right,
1: I'm telling you. But that said, like I don't think Goodwill Hunting is their favorite movie. I don't think so. That's probably. true. Sorry, go ahead. Good point. Uh no, but I I think um if you feel like, you know, your like weekend activities have to be like you have to like, you know, get your kids to commit to silence and mm-hmm. never you can't be yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't talk about, you know, going to the beach or things like that because if uh, you are currently in a church culture where like the only thing you're allowed to do is like watch Veggie tales and pray. Um, I, I'm not here even saying, I think there are some people out there, maybe even some listeners who like that's what they want from their church culture. So good for mm-hmm. you and find that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, and you're constantly having to curtail it, it's going to be hard mm-hmm. because uh, mm-hmm. I think as we'll talk about in weeks to come, uh, you definitely have to be able to trust these friends mm-hmm. and and it's it shouldn't be a matter of, like, if who you are comes out, like, you're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think, all that said, I realize that was a little rambly. Mm-hmm. All, <laughs> definitely. No, no. Uh, <laughs> all that said, I think it might be time to reevaluate um, where you're currently employed at I think one of the realities of the fact that there are uh there's so much ministry transition happening mm-hmm. right now is there are a lot of open positions uh if you like so I follow all the staffing groups online yeah and everybody's looking for somebody right now yeah because uh, they've had people quit get fired that type of thing and so I think making sure who you are aligns with your ch- church culture is important and then uh to kind of piggyback off this point finding someone within that that you're really comfortable Comfortable that you don't always have to like, mm-hmm. you know, like when you think about like the Oscar sensor button or mm-hmm. something like that, you know, you're not on a, like a pre-record of your tape to yeah. where you feel like I, I need to say it this way, or I need to, you know, or if mm-hmm. somebody asks you how you're doing, if you don't respond, well, the devil tried to get me down, but the Holy Spirit got me through. Like yeah. that's not, that's not being yourself. Yeah, And so I think if you feel that that way with people, you've got to find either other people or figure out a way to be vulnerable about who you are with these people.
0: That's good. And that was definitely a massive mistake that I made in our last place was I just drastically underestimated how difficult it would be to be in a culture that I did not fit. Sure. And, and really, I mean, I've been asked about this, but the reason that I made the decision to resign was twofold. One was there was a leadership culture I did not believe was healthy. Sure. And, and the second thing was I really did not feel like Tammy and I, and Tammy would echo this like a hundredfold, that we really fit the culture that we were in. Totally. So we just never felt, and and that's, and I don't think that that is even necessarily an indictment on any given culture. It's just a matter of like, not everyone fits every culture. And even when Paul says, I became all things to all men, cool. I understand that. And I think we all have varying ab- abilities to be able to do that. Sure. And I think that's just a really, really important word, that you're able to be yourself and don't like knowingly go into an environment
1: that you know you can't be yourself. Totally. Yeah, because you, the idea that you're going to change that culture um, – Because the truth is, in that situation, it was starting to happen, and that's Mm -hmm. why it fell apart. Yeah, Because the people who were showing up on Sundays were different than the people who had in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, The staff members that we were recruiting were very different and had different credentials than they had in the past. And all of a sudden, things were changing quickly, and those that were and those that Started mm-hmm. where like the balance was going out of place, and yeah. it really just fell apart quickly. And so I think don't go in too optimistic that you're <laughs> going to be able to change this, even if you are lured with the promise of we're ready for change, mm-hmm. because that's tale as old as time. Oh man, that is just all maybe there is a place that's true, but I don't know. I've and, I've not been there, and I think when people say it, they believe it to be true yeah. until then they're in the thick of it, and then they're like, whoops, yep. So. Anyway, yep. yep, I think that for sure. Uh, and then lastly, I think one of the things that's so important is someone that you find encouraging. Yeah. Uh, f- like being in a situation where you. Um, you just, ha- I think I-, I remember one time years ago we did this activity on a whiteboard, and we were trying to come up with like who are the people that like fill our buckets, mm-hmm. and then who are the people that drain me dry, yeah. and drain you dry. Mm-hmm. And I think that again, this isn't a matter of like who do I like the best and hate the most. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of there are certain people that are going to withdraw mm-hmm. upon every interaction, and mm-hmm. there are certain people that are going to deposit mm-hmm. on every interaction. And I think it's really important that you're aware. Of those people and, yeah. and just recognize, okay, so I've had a long day, but I have a bucket filling meeting tonight mm-hmm. and that'll be fine. Or I've had a horrible day and I've got a bucket drink. Maybe I need to reschedule, reschedule. that meeting yeah. or something like that. And I think just being aware of, of those types of things, again, not in like a prejudiced way, but just in a like eyes wide open mm-hmm. sort of way.
0: And I would argue... This is a type of friend you should certainly have in your church because I think it is absolutely because so much of day to day can be. You just like you live with tunnel vision, you're so close to it and it can be discouraging in certain seasons to have someone externally. That's like, Hey, you know what? You're doing a great job. Well, you don't know. You're not here. Like you right. have no idea how things are going. Sure. But to have someone in, like there's a handful of people at Ridgeline that I really like. And every time I have lunch with them mm-hmm. or have coffee with them, I'm pumped about it. Cause I know I'm going to walk away feeling great. Right. And you know, this is, I don't think this is not, we're not saying, did not say like surround yourself with yes people that only prop you up. Like it's people that, that encourage you. Yep. And, and oftentimes I would say the same people who encourage me are also the people in my life who can speak truth to me and can right. do all these other things that we've talked about. Right. But I just think that's one really important factor to look for is that when you walk away from it, you feel encouraged. Yep. Absolutely. So one thing we talked about yesterday that I think is, is really important Is oftentimes based on our, you know, even, even thinking back to like the question that we started with about like movie or TV show friendships, oftentimes certain things from our past or media or whatever has shaped our perception of friendship. And then you have like one view of it. This is something Mm -hmm. you and I have talked about a lot because it's something and you should talk to it because it's something that you've, I don't know what the right word is, struggled with and that you've had like. A, a category yeah.
1: of friendship, and what, I feel like I was enlightened yesterday. In yeah, talking about well, good. This. Then yeah. we can talk yeah. about it
0: in real time. But I think, I think one thing that would be very, very important to think about is building a team of mm-hmm. friends rather than putting the burden on yeah. one person or even one type of friendship. Sure. And so, what what we would say is like we were talking yesterday about thinking about categories of mm-hmm. friendship totally and and because we're still really thinking through this we can this is may not be as clear but <clears throat> we were talking yesterday about how the difference in these categories of friendship has more to do probably with expectation i think mm-hmm. is the word that we agreed on it's yeah. not necessarily about um like even the intimacy sure. of the friendship necessarily or the, necessarily. Way or the closeness or, yeah. or what you would talk about with sure. that person. Um, and it's, so it's about like expectation, maybe frequency with which you see and spend sure. time with these people, but it's not about quality.
1: No. Yeah. It's definitely not about quality. I do think it also has to do with, uh, so you as the, like when you think about building your own friendships, it's how much you need the Mm -hmm. different friendships, I think. And that doesn't necessarily impact quality. It doesn't impact even always like how much I like someone. If you're going to like force rank your friends or something, Mm -hmm. it's just about um, how much you need someone and in what like avenues of life do Mm -hmm. you need their support and their help? Yeah. And that typically is what indicates, you know, what kind of category of friend we're talking about.
0: Yeah. And I don't have, I don't really, I don't have verses for like, here are the biblical categories of friendship. But I what I would argue is and this is, you can speak to this in just a second, like as you are putting language and clarity around your categories of, of friendship, it's really helping your experience in totally. some of those friendships. Yeah. And so the thing I was thinking this morning of how to summarize it, summarize it is the category defines the quality. Yeah. Like if you don't have clarity in the category of friendship that you're thinking about and and you only have like this one category mm-hmm. and you have some really good relationships in your life, but they don't fit your singular category, then you think the quality of that relationship is subpar deficient when the truth is you just need more clarity around like the category of relationship that this is. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So before we jump into like, I, I don't I don't know what to call these exactly but these sure. like different types of friendships sure. that we both have maybe just talk personally about like
1: the way you've thought about friendship so much of the last sure. decade. Yeah I mean I think in my mind a friend has only been one thing uh-huh. uh, so uh, you're either my friend or you're an acquaintance. They're okay. like two people or like I've never met you before Yeah, that's pretty much it or like maybe you know uh, so I went and visited a friend's church and he introduced Used to meet all his staff members, and I knew uh, it was great to meet them. And I also knew I would never see or interact with these people ever again because right. it was like a one-time visit, and that was it. So uh, it is what it is. But I think so. There are those types of people, and then you have friends, and that's all I had categories for. We're mm-hmm. two buckets. The problem is, I think I do have some really. Uh, great and valued and cherished friendships in my life, mm-hmm. and so from for someone to get from like the outside to the inside, mm-hmm. the pressure was so great. Yeah, and I think that even uh, what I also struggled with was not the reality that you don't go from like outside to inside overnight, mm-hmm. but that everyone has to be on a track to that like center place mm-hmm. uh, because there's only one thing. In mm-hmm. order to call you a friend, we have to be on, like there has to be progression made towards this like most intimate, most close close thing. And I think truthfully, some of it has to do with, um, as you've shared so frequently on episodes, I'm single. Mm-hmm. And, so uh, single. So single. Yeah. And so I don't necessarily now- necessarily have the same like kind of family type Mm -hmm. spouse relationship or that type of thing, like taking that. And so for me, I think, uh, it was like, I have friends that fill that area. Mm -hmm. And so I just viewed like, you're either not my friend or you're on your way to that. And that's the only thing. The Mm -hmm. problem is one, um, not everyone's looking for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, two, if I'm honest, uh, I'm not looking for that from everyone. Yeah. And uh, it's just taken a number of years, just the pressure that have been on relationships, the expectation I've had around like, uh, how does this relationship um, continue to evolve? I think also, um, as I've gotten older, it seems uh, I find myself really reluctant to invest in new relationships because- it you just feel like i don't know it seems like so much work mm-hmm. when really like you're someone i really enjoy like mm-hmm. hanging out with doing x y or z and that's all that it is mm-hmm. and so we're going to do that and enjoy that mm-hmm. part and i think having have sorry to interrupt you but yeah. having i think having a friendship like ours too is
0: also in what you're talking about has been a double edged sword yeah because this is like it, it would be like me saying Every friendship that I'm going to have in my life has to be like my friendship with my wife. Sure. When that's a very unique. Really, I mean, for hopefully for everyone, <laughs> sure. a, a one of a kind type yeah, of friendship. a lifetime. Yeah. But but seriously, like I think we even talked yesterday about being careful about not wanting to elevate our friendship as an example, as the example sure. in this conversation, because we've been friends since you were in eighth grade, I was in ninth grade. Yeah. We've lived more of our lives in friendship than not. Sure. We and worked together. We, yeah. All of it. Yeah. All of that stuff, and a lot of people. Are, are don't have that. Sure. And couldn't because we went through our most formative years of life together. Sure. Our greatest seasons of suffering have been together. And when it, and because of that, like, and there's an, an, our friendship is an incredible gift. And if every quote unquote friendship is trying to be forced into that same category,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's just not every, well, like they're, they're going to be frustrated. Sure. You're going to be disappointed, totally. which has happened. And that's just miserable.
1: Right. And so I think um, just even in processing through and preparing for this, I think it's just super helpful to think through the reality that there are multiple relationships for different things. And I have a handful of relationships that are, I think, uh, as we talk about these different things, I know one of the the kind of trademarks of different levels of relationship is like, and when— Something awful in life happens. Mm-hmm. Who's your call? Yeah, um, and you're my call. Yeah, and but but I don't need to make, especially when something awful in life happens. Who wants to make like sixteen calls? Right, that's, that's awful. Just, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, and so I think yeah, it's just really helpful to really broaden and look at it more as like. Multiple layers, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly not that you're being withholding from different people or different things, or you know, trying to work people in. I think there are just certain people that will be and certain people that won't be, and it's not about good bad. It's about wiring. I think it's about how God has created us mm-hmm. as people to interact and have synergy with some, and mm-hmm. and not with others, and all of that. I think some people are just like good to hang out with, yep. and all of that. And so, yeah, I yep. think uh, it's been a super uh, growing experience for me to not put the pressure on every, like, because because the problem was I would be in these situations with someone who I was like, I really am enjoying this, Uh and I would just feel like, all right, well, we've got to, like, be, you know. So my one friendship I have an uh, experience with is, like, 27 years. So are you committed to the next 27 (laughs) years moving across the country every time, you know? They're like,
0: dude, dessert hasn't even come yet. (laughs)
1: Right. Right. And it does. It's hard to... You know, find relationships worth investing in. If you feel like, well, if it's not going to eventually get there, what's mm-hmm. the point? Yeah. Um. But sadly, I spent a lot of time feeling that way. Yeah. And I'm just reworking that now. Yeah,
0: that's good. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. So I've been that's thinking good. through like some categories of friendship. Like I would, I would say all, all the people that would fall within these categories, I am friends with, mm-hmm. and they're different kinds of friendships, and that's good and okay. Totally. So I was thinking like. I have friends that I hang out with. Yeah, you know that I'm, I'm like, I'm, and even like I got people at my gym that I love Mm. hanging out with. Yeah, and I'm still honest with these people, still transparent. I mean, I don't hang out with these people every day, even every week, not even every month. Sure, I've got people in our church that I hang out with, maybe even a couple times over the course of a year, and I still think that those. And honestly, I've seen some articles that have been written um this long now into covid that have said one of the reasons that people are struggling so much mentally and emotionally is that we've lost some of these loose Interactions that we have with people that, again, is not going to have the same depth as your married friendship. But we're not like if you have a coffee shop you go to every day and you see the same barista, or you have a gym that you go to and you see the same people. Totally, those people are you're you're not like wearing matching sweaters, but those are still very meaningful interactions that have been lost through COVID, and that's very very challenging.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I had to make a choice to change. The gym I was going to based on uh the gym I was in, uh, the square footage is just too small. Yeah. And, you know, not bemoaning the owners, but they needed to keep filling it to stay open. Yeah. And so we were, I mean, at some point, like I was like on the ground doing like sit-ups mm-hmm. and like I was afraid somebody was gonna drop weights on my head yeah. because they were that close. That yeah. just that wasn't like six feet, ten feet. There was no nah, it feet. It doesn't feel good. So I made the change to switch. It's been really hard. Yeah. I still regularly message my coaches or different friends from that gym on Instagram because like It feels like I've lost this like huge chunk during a really difficult season. It absolutely was the right decision for me and real hard. And and they are people that I wouldn't have necessarily actively said like they're making an impact, but they are. Yep. Yeah. Hugely.
0: So just people you can hang with. Yep. And then I got two more that I think about. I also think that I have friends that I live life with. Yeah. And so especially like I think about the friendships that I have here in my life at Ridgeline, you know, we moved to Salt Lake city. We didn't know anybody. We had friends that came with us mm-hmm. and we've intentionally lived as friends who are like family. Like yep. we've had, we don't have that here biologically. So we've had to build that totally. And, and so these are relationships that some of them I've been in relationship with for long seasons of time. Yep. We've been in multiple churches together. We've been through ups and downs together. And and still, these are not like. But these are the people that like we spend Thanksgiving with. Not this year, which was horribly depressing. Um, We do holidays together. Mm -hmm. We have meals on a semi regular basis. I'm not necessarily like talking to, hanging out with these people every single day. But I am living life with these people, right? And that is a that's a that's a different category of friendship
1: that is still really really important. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that. it's important to have people like that um, because they're the people who see you and like Mm -hmm. ups and downs and regular parts of your day and at your house and all of those kind of things. And you've got to have, uh, I think it's important to have all kinds of friends. I think we're going to talk a little bit uh, about just the different levels of friendship and transparency and all of those types of things. But I think, um regardless of who's your like best friend uh, I think one thing that's so important about the different categories of friends and the friends you live life with is you have to have someone who's like as close as a friend can be that is also local yeah the idea that your best friend is like across the country and it's just someone you call and reach out to and that's the only person who really knows you yeah the only one who fits in that kind of thing I think somewhere you need a hybrid of like friends that you live life with mm-hmm. and then the next category we're going to talk about because, uh, there's just certain things that people who see you regularly are going to see that someone on the phone is not. And listen, and there's been different seasons of life when we have not been in like geographical relationship with one another. And so we've still stayed connected on the phone, but our relationship was much different because we didn't have visibility. And the truth is you can represent on the phone, not saying you're lying to those friends, but you can represent on the phone, whatever you want. When somebody sees you at your worst, they were like there for it Mm -hmm. and you try to represent it differently. That's not possible. And Mm -hmm. so you know, even growing up, a few years ago, I had a friend, and uh, you know, uh, we had uh, this kind of relationship a little bit. Um, but when I would talk about like more personal things, he would push back and say, "Listen, I I do that with my brother." The problem mm-hmm. was his brother lived in a different state, mm-hmm. and they talked infrequently at best yeah, and, and, but he was closed off to the idea of any closer friendship because like he had his brother and it was good. I just think that it's so important that absolutely have, I have friends across the country and Mm -hmm. some of them are friends. I, you know, I have a friend in Hong Kong who is one of the friends that I would like reach out to when Mm -hmm. like stuff hits a fan for sure, but she's not the only one.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, even a real time example of that would be our friend, Zach, who's, Uh, for me over the last, I don't even know how long it's been, long, long time. Mm -hmm. One of my deepest, most important relationships in my life, but still lives in Chicago, doesn't live here. right? And we're still very, very close, but to your point, doesn't have daily eyes on or weekly or regular eyes on my life. Totally. And called me or texted me a couple weeks ago because he had heard on an episode of the podcast that I'd mentioned that I'd been struggling with some anxiety through COVID. Yeah. And that is a new struggle for me. Yeah. Which is awesome because of all the therapy I'm doing and everything. Somehow I'm digressing and getting worse. Yeah. Um, but he reached out and he was concerned about that, but didn't didn't know about it because he hasn't had you knew because you sure. have eyes on. Tammy yeah. knows because she has eyes on. But that's I agree. I think it's it's very important to have people in your life who actually have eyes on it. Totally. And and so for me, that's like this last category that yep. I think of in terms of friends you walk with. Yeah. And I think walking just implies this like step-by-step thing. Like we are lockstep going through, you know, almost daily life together. And I would say if you can have that in your life or work toward it or seek to build it, it is a tremendous gift. It comes with its headaches and it's hard. It's a lot of work, but to really have someone or a couple of people that you are really walking through daily life with, for me is one of the most formational types of friendships that I've experienced.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um uh like it's it's not a matter of like, if you've mm-hmm. got to get it, yeah, you've got to have these people that, it, you know, and I think especially for pastors, you're so used to leading, especially spiritually, especially kind of emotionally, those types of things, that's your role. Mm-hmm. But I like your your uh, usage of words here that mm-hmm. they're friends that you walk with, like friends that you walk beside. And I think anytime uh, you're walking beside someone, inevitably, like if you're walking on a trail, mm-hmm. there's going to be a point where like, you have to go single file because mm-hmm. one person needs to lead the way. Like mm-hmm. So if you and I go like uh, you know, like on a hike, mm-hmm. you're gonna do trail that every running. time. Yeah, well you just trail ready. We yeah, that's yeah. what we do regularly. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone doesn't understand the joke, look up my picture on Instagram. <laughs> You'll, you'll get it, but regardless, uh, if we if we go on a hike, yeah, um, and and the the path narrows, you mm-hmm. have to go in front, so mm-hmm. I know where to go. Yeah, but there are going to be other situations and other things in life when I need to go in front, and yeah. I think that this this is important um, as a friendship, emotionally, mm-hmm. spiritually, relationally, all of that. That there's going to be times when you, as the lead pastor of the church mm-hmm. or whatever, are leading, mm-hmm. but then there's going to be other times when you let that other person lead, and mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, Going up to our uh, point before about someone you can hear truth from, Mm -hmm. I think uh, sort of a sub point under that should be someone you're willing to be led by, Mm -hmm. someone you're willing to like say like, "Hi, I know where we, I know the path Mm -hmm. we need to go this way," and Mm -hmm. you're going to be willing to trust them in that.
0: Yeah, that's good. All right, well, hopefully there's some stuff in there that's helpful. Uh, so again, we're going to spend the next couple of weeks acknowledging, because I think on the one end, so much of what we just talked about sounds like, this sounds amazing. Like, sure. who doesn't want to have right. this? The challenge, again, is that right. pastorally, it can be very complicated to experience experience anything that we just talked about. Sure. And so if you're
1: you're the pastor listening, like with a little scoff, either in your mind mm -hmm. or out loud, keep listening in the upcoming weeks, because again, it's not going to be a matter of like removing all the concern, removing all the issues, removing all the difficulty, but our argument is uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. And, and maybe we can help chart the course a bit.
0: Yep. I love that. That's good. All right. Well, as we say each week, thanks so much for taking time to listen to this episode. And uh, if you have enjoyed it, there are always three ways that you can be a help to us. The first is to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Secondly, you can leave a review wherever it is that you listen. And then thirdly, we would love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and
1: Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening,
0: and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Oh, ah, oldie but a goodie. <laughs>